Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. Let's talk about success for the brand new year, 2024, as we close out 2023. By the way, let me just say this off off the cuff. If you're going partying tonight, be smart. Use Uber or get a designated driver. That's a choice. Be smart. Okay? Enjoy yourself, but be smart. Don't don't get arrested. Don't get in an accident. Don't cause any problem or embarrassment to yourself. If you know what you're going to do, at least be smart. Use Uber or get a designated driver. Fair enough? Yeah, I want you to come back safe and safe and sound. All right. So what time are we going over to your house, Sam? What? <laughs> just, I'm just teasing. Well, turn with me to Proverbs 25, verse 28. Proverbs 25, verse 28, uh, as we talk about the secret of success for the new year. Here's the question. Are you going to have a happy new year or will the social, moral, and political corruption in our country continue to destroy your peace of mind and any hope about a great future? It's time to stop worrying about stuff beyond your control. I can't worry about what I can't control. There are things you have to submit to the hand of God and walk confidently into the future knowing that God is with you and everything is ultimately going to be all right. Stop being driven to despair by prophets of doom and gloom on the news and start being driven by the good news that God has written in his word. Your Bible is God's blueprint for your future and it doesn't change no matter what changes in the world. One day when the melodrama of all the madness that we're presently going through is over, (laughs) we win. The kingdom of God is going to rule this earth. And Isaiah says, the kingdom of God will never, ever pass away. It is eternal. Of your kingdom, he says, there shall be no end. So get it straight. Hamas won't rule the world. Uh, The uh, Putin won't win the world. Uh, North Korea, anything going down will never rule this world. Ultimately, God will totally rule this world. And scripture says he will rule it with a rod of iron. That's something that the mind of man often finds difficult to grasp. So our future is in that word of God, your Bible that you hold. That means lift up your head and rejoice because King Jesus will ultimately return and all of the madness on planet earth will vanish in the twinkling of an eye. How about a brief shout? Come on. We win this thing. Now Solomon, the wisest man on earth, gives us the secret of success in Proverbs 28, 28. He says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. A city that's broken down and has no walls, has no control over its future. In the biblical world, your defense system was the wall around your city. If it was broken down, you were going to be overrun, 
and taken over. By the way, let me pause to say, uh, because of controversy, it, it was perfectly biblical to have walls. Jerusalem has a wall. It, under Nehemiah, was rebuilt again and again. The Great Wall of China is there. We're not the only country that has walls, or we have borders. All nations have borders. You have one, probably, hopefully, around your home. I hope you check to see who's at the door, whether you'll let them in or not, friend or foe. I've got a ring doorbell, and it gets rung, and it could be solicitation or something else, and I, I, I make a choice. I, you will either get in or you won't get in. Now, how is that racist? How is that bigoted? You've got to have borders on your life. You may come into my mind, my thoughts, my life. You may not. A country has borders. God established borders. Those are perfectly biblical. So I'm sorry, but you can't let a nation be overrun with no borders. This is unbiblical and foolish, no matter what your political ideology is. For God's sake, somebody needs to wake up and get a brain. You cannot be totally overrun. Okay, you can ignore it. Sit back in your gated community. Have your coffee. Life is good. Draw your retirement or enjoy your living, whatever it may be done. But little by little, year after year, your country will be taken over with a different ideology or a different religion or mindset, and you'll wonder where it all went. Don't let that happen. Okay, I'm sorry for preaching. I got a license. All right. But I, I mean, if you read the Bible, you'll correct some wrong thinking. It is right to have borders. It is right to have boundaries. And to, people can come in legitimately, perfectly fine, not illegally. I, I go to Jakarta. I go to Singapore. I have to fill out forms that thick to qualify me with a background check before they'll even let me in. But you can come to Texas and we'll let 13,000 of you come in, give you money. You don't even have to have a vaccination. You can break all the rules we have to live under. Nobody cares. I'm, I'm sorry, but it makes me mad. I'm sorry. Okay. Don't give me a bad email. I'm just, I, I, I got biblical grounds for that. The walls around Babylon were so wide, four chariots could race on top at one time side by side. See, it was 60 miles around the city. It was an awesome military force. Whenever a city had a breach in the wall, it became a place of weakness. When you or I have a breach in the boundaries of our life, we let the enemy in. He can't come in unless I let him in. So Solomon is saying here, the secret for success in this coming year or any other year is self-control. Do you have it? If you don't have it, you will ultimately self-destruct. And that is the message. In this age of advanced technology, we've learned how to control the sun with solar panels to heat our homes. We've learned to control rivers to produce electricity for our cities. We have satellites in space that can transmit communication signals to people on the other side of the earth in a nanosecond guided missiles that can now circle the earth and hit its target after 25,000 miles in flight. But why have we not learned to control ourselves? Because it's easier for a man to control the universe than to control himself. 
Our technology has produced nuclear bombs that are so powerful, scientists say we have enough nuclear power to destroy every person on the earth 10 times over. Now, I got some news for you. I'm not afraid of nuclear energy or a bomb. I'm afraid of a nuclear bomb in the hand of a madman because he doesn't have self-control. And that describes several nations on earth now that are led by maniacal people who have the absolute sworn devotion of destroying America and Israel and any other nation that becomes a threat to them. See, bombs don't make up their mind to go off. It requires a lunatic to drop it and then ignite it. So if history teaches us anything, it teaches us we can't control ourselves. Self-control, do you have it? You better get it because without it, you will have a miserable future if you have one at all. In other words, take charge of your life or circumstances or somebody else definitely will. The Bible teaches that he who conquers a city is not as strong as the man that can control himself because the greatest enemy you and I ever face is us. Us. The, the, the worst things ever happened to me didn't happen because of the devil, because of my stupidity and a bad choice. Yeah, thank you. I got two people said, yeah. <laughs> so are your problems. Yeah. Your, your doubts are traitors to your dreams. Your fears strangle your hopes, keep you from climbing that impossible mountain or vision of destiny that you have. Your habits, born of your own free will, will lead you either into freedom or captivity. Some of you have habits right now destroying your health and you're not going to do one thing about it but pay more money to a doctor and shorten your lifespan or the life that you do uh, get to live will be miserable when you have the power to change that. Two weeks ago, I went on a sugar fast. Beautiful timing. And my wife's kitchen looks like H-E-B bakery section. Cakes, pies, 14 different kinds of cookies and brownies and stuff all around me. That was be like going to Hugh Hefner's for a weekend party and asking if you have a Coke and do you have a friend I can play badminton with or something. Yeah, right. It's like, what? Now, I know you think you have such power, uh, but we need how to learn how to take control of that. And so ask Cindy. I hadn't had a cookie, a brownie, or a piece of cake. And if I get tired or bored or stressed, I'll walk around and get a little Dorito or I'll pick up the chips or I'll eat a cookie in the pantry. My worst enemy. Sugar is worse than cocaine. I wouldn't know, but that's what, uh, that's what Philip tells me. I don't know. And I'm telling you, if you think your flesh is not powerful, you just tell it no. I'll die if you don't feed me. I'll die. That's what I'm trying to do. Flick, kill you. I'm trying to subdue you. And that is self-control. All right? Probably, what, by the way, in two weeks, I, the, the weight wasn't a problem for me. 
but I lost 10 pounds in two weeks. Now my wife's mad because women don't lose it as quick as a man can. And Tim Massey said he went on a sugar fast and lost 20 pounds in 30 days. That's how fast, bread, pasta, potatoes, uh, everything we eat's got sugar in it. Everything. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. Now, all I did is just stop the cookies and treats and desserts and bread and the pastas. That's, and no sodas, nothing. And uh, it was amazing to me. And it's better now. But the first three days, I think I'm going to die. I'm like some drug addict going cold turkey. Like I, and then I have to walk through the house where Cindy's baking, and oh, it's terrible. But I say, you are not going to beat me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to control you. One of the Bible most valuable lessons is the ability to make you do things you should do when it ought to be done and done with excellence, whether you want to do it or not. See, there's nothing in the Bible that says, do this when you feel like it. Sorry for that, see? See, God didn't write the Bible to revise it when this generation came along. He wrote the Bible for us to do what's in the Bible now and forever. It's unchanging. Winston Churchill said, responsibility is the key to greatness. Listen to that. Responsibility is the key to greatness. Doing what you ought to do when you ought to do it with excellence. Doing what God says to do when you should do it and you don't feel like doing it. That's what God's looking for in the life of a believer. That's called self-control. You may be brilliant, but without self-control, you're finished. There are how many brilliant people in every penitentiary in America? You may be wealthy, but without self-control, poverty and destruction will come. You may be powerful, but without self-control, you become weak. That's in, in the battle for self-control. The enemy is you. Now, you may be successful at making money, building a business, or a leader of people, but if you don't control you, you're ultimately finished. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. Why? Because the heart wants to tell you, you got to be you, baby. Well, listen, you've got to be you as long as you don't disagree with what God says about you. That's fair enough. Every person has something within their nature called the flesh, and it wants to destroy you. The Bible says we are at war with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, the world is what's outside. The flesh is what's inside you. And the principalities and powers are those demonic uh, powers whose assignment is to torment you. And they will. But our weapon is the word of God and the blood of Jesus that gives us total victory. Revelation 12 says, and they overcame the accuser of the brother, that is the devil, by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. We are not to be victims at all. God's given us power and given us the right to have victory. He didn't excuse us from a fight. Nobody gets a free pass go and $200. Paul writes this, every man that strives for mastery is temperate in all things. Temperance means stay away from extremes. There, don't you meet people? It can be about anything, and they just go off the rails extreme. 
you know, I believe Jesus is coming, the second coming of Jesus. I know that. But I've watched Christians over the years go to an extreme view. And what that has caused us to do is to focus on leaving instead of occupying. So we've given up our schools, the educational system, the arts, the media. We just abandoned planet Earth waiting at the bus stop for I'll fly away. So I, don't you believe, Rick, Jesus is going to come back? Yes, I certainly do. But I don't know when and neither do you. And neither does anybody else. So I want to be at my post doing what I ought to be doing when he shows up. I won't be busy. That's all. I'm just simply saying that extreme view has robbed the church of its power, influence, and impact in our culture because everybody wants to fly away, build me a cabin in glory, la, 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 whatever. That's not what Scripture says. Occupy till I come. So stay away from extreme. political extremes, every kind of an extreme. Watch out. Don't go that far. See? The Bible, it says in that extreme view, you know, self-control. It says he or she has self-control. I want to master life and reach the fulfillment of my destiny. But I'm not going to do it without self-control. We're commanded by the Apostle Paul, run the race set before us with endurance. With endurance means stay with it. Don't quit. Don't back off. Don't back down because it's hard. Quit whining about the assignment God's given you. Discipline yourself to accomplish it. Stay in your post. Do your duty. We are commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ to fast and pray. Fasting is not doing without food from 12 to 6 when you get up. That's called sleep. <laughs> Fasting is not how to look good naked. Fasting brings power with God. See, uh, every time you read in Scripture about fast. They were facing a life or death situation. There was a major crisis for the nation or there were, they, them personally, were facing a major crisis personally. It wasn't just fast to fast as a religious ceremony. There was a crisis. There was a problem. And it intensifies your power. Jesus presented the three fundamental principles of Christianity in Matthew chapter 6. And those three principles are when you pray, when you fast, when you give. That whole chapter is about those three things. Not if you pray, not if you fast, not if you give, but when. So we are commanded as believers to give, and the believer who believes they will prosper without giving to God is delusional. Now don't forget, you're under a different government if you're a believer. You're under different requirements. A lost man can, can do whatever he wants to do. There's no penalty. He, he's not under the same command we are. He also doesn't have the same promise that we have as a believer. But when God says, give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, God's abundance comes to those who give, who give cheerfully and give what God requires. Philip didn't want to do that, so he wrestled with it until he finally let go to trust God and God came through and God will come through for you. Yeah. See, a lot of people don't read those verses <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Yeah, look at the boneyard of history of great men who had everything but self-control. How about Moses? He got to be a top level guy. He was the lawgiver of Israel, the patriarch, the de deliverer. He was a prophet, a poet. He was a conqueror of mighty Egypt. 
he became so frustrated with the children of Israel. And got to give him, I understand, Moses. I understand. They're driving me crazy. I, I get it. He lost his temper. And he struck the rock twice. And God told him, you only strike it once. And then speak to it thereafter. But he did it again. And he says, here's the water, you rebels. Forty years later, when the children of Israel are getting ready to go into the promised land, Moses has to tell his wife, God's not going to allow me to go into the promised land because I lost my temper 40 years ago providing water for the people of Israel. And they gave me the credit, thinking it was my power that allowed that water to flow. And they didn't give God the credit. And now I'm not going to be allowed to go into the promised land because I took credit for what God was doing himself. And brother, if there's a good lesson here in that, listen, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and all the glory forever. You give the Lord praise for everything he does for you. When you hear a sports guy go before the microphone, you don't like it. I want to give glory to God. He's doing exactly what he should do biblically. He's saying, I didn't, I didn't make this gift happen. This talent, this gift, this skill was a gift from God. I polished it. I worked hard at developing it. But this gift came from God to God be the glory. That's right. You build a successful business. You've got great wisdom and skill as an entrepreneur. You give glory to God. Everybody didn't get born with the brain and capacity you were. It was a gift. Every good gift comes from above from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness of turning or darkness. It's to him be glory. David terrorized the Philistines. Yeah, but his lust for Bathsheba led her to an unwanted pregnancy and a murder plot to kill her husband Uriah the Hittite. And because he killed an innocent man, God said to David, the sword will never leave your house. You think about that. And God kept that promise. His son Absalom was a traitor to his father David. Absalom led a battle where 22,000 of David's men were killed because he was trying to take the kingdom away from his father David. David's daughter was raped. His baby died. Absalom had sex with 200 of David's concubines on a public platform to humiliate his father David. God said to David, the sword's never going to leave your house because of what you have done in the death of Uriah the Hittite. So let me tell you something. Everybody in here and those watching online, you better learn to control yourself or you'll destroy your marriage, your future, your children, and yourself. Can you control your passion? There's love and there's lust. And the difference is lust demands, love gives, and it gives, and it keeps on giving. Can you control your anger? Can you control your depression? Can you control your resentment? See, all of us have those problems probably once a week at least. Can you control it? It passing through your heart or mind is not a sin, but letting it control you is. American history tells the story of Aaron Burr, the vice president of the United States who was involved in a political squabble with Alexander Hamilton. He missed being president by just a few votes. So he had a duel, and he shot Hamilton in this duel. When Aaron Burr died, less than 10 people came to his funeral. He was almost president of the United States. But because he couldn't control himself, he went down in history 
as an insignificant nothing. He had great political power, but he couldn't control himself. There's a statement that you need to hear. Say that no man has lived a great life until you know the way he died. What is self-control? That's when you harness and discipline those wild emotions we all have, your habits, your fears, your frustrations to produce fruit. It's when you master the situation and you refuse to let the situation dominate you. People often blame God for their lack of self-control. You don't get in control by mental manipulation or uh, psychosomatics. You get in control by surrendering the lordship of Jesus Christ to your life. See, God's not going to rewrite the Bible for your generation. Stop trying to change scriptures when it's inconvenient for you or when you don't want to because your flesh is screaming out like mine did for sugar. But those scriptures are written to change you. See, God won't edit his word. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of power. And that word says we have power to be saved. We have power to be healed. We have power to become the sons of God. We have power to be transformed. We have power and authority to control demonic spirits. We have power to speak through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's the only way to live. God's word has the power. Use it for God's sake. Use it. All right. Circumstances have nothing to do with control. People say, when the circumstances get right, I'll get in control. But that's not true. That's looking at it backwards. The Apostle Paul said, I can do all things that I should do, that I'm commanded to do, through Christ who strengthens me. You try to whip your flesh by your will, you're going to lose. You may win a short time, but you'll ultimately lose. It is the power of the Holy Spirit in a believer that gives him power to do anything God asked him to do, no matter how difficult it is. Paul preached in chains to Felix, the Roman governor. Felix is on a nice cushioned throne, bodyguards around. Paul is standing in front of him with handcuffs and leg irons, chains, and Felix is shaking like a leaf in the wind. Who's in control of that conversation? Yeah, Paul is. He's in change, but he's in absolute control of what's going on. Daniel was in a lion's den sleeping while the king cannot sleep, and he's up in a palace marching around with insomnia and giving birth to peptic ulcers. Who's in control? Oh, Dan with the lions. People say when the circumstances change, I'll change. I'll be in control. No, no. When you change, the circumstances don't make any difference. Jesus demonstrated control at his crucifixion. He had all power in heaven and earth. Any second, he could have called a legion of angels to annihilate the Roman Empire and reduce every person on the globe to ashes. But look at the control of the Savior. Judas sold him 30 pieces of silver. Peter cursed him, denied him three times. Pilate whipped him with the cat of nine tails. Herod's men of war mocked him, slapped him, spit on him. They put a crown of thorns on him. Roman hands took spikes and drove them through his hands and through his feet. This power, this awesome son of God that was there on creation morning when he spun the earth and creation into existence that had the power to smash everybody to ashes, 
looked into the face of God and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now that, my friend, is self-control. The God that we serve is the God of power and patience. He's a God of might and a God of mercy. There's a favorite verse of mine that says, the mercies of God are new every morning. Thank you, God. Anybody but me happy about that? Thank you, God. God holds the seven seas in the palm of his hand, yet he attends the funeral of every sparrow that falls from the sky. God is interested in every detail of your life and mine. He forgave the Romans who were killing him so you and I and those of you watching online could be saved from the prince of darkness and inherit eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice at the cross that made it possible. So what kind of control do you have? Some of you have uncontrolled anger. You lash out. You lash out at your spouse. You lash out at bad circumstances. You have a temper problem. You will destroy your marriage. You will destroy a relationship. And ultimately, you'll destroy yourself. When you go home from work, the dog hides behind the door. Proverbs 14, verse 17 says, listen, he that is quick to be angry will deal foolishly. Translation, hot heads make stupid mistakes. Road rage. If you drive in San Antonio, you get it every day. I feel it every day. But I have to learn to control that anger or you could lose your life or be involved in something that wouldn't be worth it. Can I control that? Arguments leading in relationships or marriage leading to physical assaults and ultimately murder. Anger, anger. People just do the stupidest things, angry. That's what God says. Have I got control? I can be angry and sin not. That's scripture. Be ye angry and sin not. It's not wrong to be angry. It's wrong to sin because you're angry. See, what chance does a man or woman have to control their destiny if they can't control themselves? Remember, the emptier the pot, the quicker it boils. Think about that one. Uncontrolled anger will weaken you. It not only is killing you, it causes you to play into the hands of your enemies. So what kind of self-control do you have? What kind of control do you have over your thoughts? Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks, so he is or so he will become. If you think you're defeated, you are. If you think you can't, you won't. If you think you're victorious, you can be victorious through Christ. But nothing can be impossible if you believe something based on God's infallible word. What are your thoughts about yourself? They say America's number one emotional problem is lack of self-esteem. Do you feel defeated? Do you feel unwanted? Do you feel rejected by your mother or your father or your husband or spouse? Do you repeatedly and desperately long for somebody to love you? Well, God loves you. You know, you didn't come from your mother and dad. You came from God through your mother and dad. And that was a stop off to pick up some DNA to make uniquely you. So whether my parents loved me or not, cared about me or not, abandoned me or not, I know my father created me and put me here. He loves me. He has a plan for me. So maybe all you got from mom and dad is DNA. That's okay. But 
Be aware. You are in the mind of God when he made you. He made you right. He put you in the right generation. You were born at the right time, and he didn't make a mistake with you. Get over that. See, God loves you, and he loves you enough. He gave his only son to die for every one of you in this room and every person watching online. You are his child, believer. You are special. You are royalty. You are kings and priests, Scripture says. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. You're somebody. I don't need Jesse Jackson to tell me that. God told me that. I'm somebody. You're a child of the king. God says you are going to inherit the earth. Think about that. We're going to tell Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, sit down. We own it. The apostle Paul commands Christians to control your thoughts. Finally, brother, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, pure, lovely, and a good report, Think on these things. Philippians 4, verse 8. And by the way, if you don't put some of that word in you, you got nothing to think on but what the enemy's telling you, what circumstances are telling you. But my counter, the, 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 the anti-venom to that is what God has declared about me. And I'll stand on that. What kind of self-control do you have over your speech? Do you gossip? Now, I know charismatics don't gossip. They share. Do you exaggerate your problems? When the children of Israel came to the borders of Israel, the promised land, they sent the 10 spies over. They came back saying, hey, we are like grasshoppers. Well, that's an extreme exaggeration. The prophet Elijah looked at God when Jezebel was killing the prophets and had a contract to hit him. He said, I, only I am left. And God says, Elijah, get over it. I've got 7,000 righteous in that city standing by to take your place. If you can't get it done, step aside. I've got others who are ready. So don't ever get the idea you're the only person God can use. Be thrilled that God has honored you with the opportunity to fight the wicked and destroy evil and to fulfill some purpose in his kingdom. So why not make this coming here? a year of success. Why not decide right now, based on the authority of God's word, that you as a child of God have the resources of heaven God says you have. That this is going to be the most successful, most prosperous year of your life. A year filled with the greatest accomplishments you've ever achieved. I'm going to show you in just a second a video of one of our members. His name is Ken Rodriguez. He and his family had to decide whether to live or die or to stand on the authority of God's word and tell the enemy, you can't have me. Watch, Ken. I remember waking up and gasping for air. I felt a pressure in my chest, an intense pressure that made it hard to breathe. Judy rushed me to the ER. I was diagnosed with acute respiratory failure and pneumonia with strep and the flu. My liver and kidneys began to fail. Doctors placed me in a medically induced coma and my chances of survival began to drop. In my unconscious state, I remember seeing a, an aquarium filled not with water but with purple beach sand and there was some kind of activity taking place behind that sand 
because I, I could see some slight movement in the sand. And I remember just looking and staring and trying to figure out what's going on. And then I remember the scripture where the Archangel Michael had fought with the devil for the body of Moses. And I somehow knew there was a fight for my life. What I didn't know was that a doctor had accidentally cut my lung, that I had bled and coded, that I was rushed into emergency surgery, that a nurse had told Judy, you'd better call the children. Everything that you see in a medical TV show is what happened. Things are flying all over the place and 15 people come running into the room and um, they realized that basically everything was shutting down. And in fact, that did, he did have complete um, liver failure there and kidney failure. Uh, never ever would you think that your completely healthy husband would be on dialysis. I had seen so many stories where people looked at their loved one and said, you know, you have my permission to go, it's okay to go. And so I just flipped it and said, you do not have my permission to go. Um, that's just not happening. She was speaking faith into me and life into me. And it came also from other visitors. Rick Godwin, for example, visited me on multiple occasions and prayed for me. After three weeks, I woke from the coma. And the first memory I have is of seeing a doctor at the foot of my bed. And he said, you are a living miracle. Throughout the whole process, we were very fixated on knowing that we were being allowed to go through this for a reason. And we didn't know what the reason was, and we were not gonna spend time being mad about it, but we were gonna love on people. We brought food to the nurses that were there at the hospital. Our kids prayed with people in the waiting room. We ministered to nurses who said they hadn't gone to church since they were little. So we were determined just to turn this around and really stick it to the enemy. People ask, how are you feeling? I'm 100% recovered. Not on dialysis, everything is fine. My goal for 2024 is to be better than I was in 2023. I would say to anyone who is in need of a miracle to look up. Look up because the answer to your miracle is God. There is no possible earthly solution to a situation apart from God. Wow, isn't that something? I can remember his lovely wife, several of us, many of you who knew Ken, an accomplished and acclaimed journalist and a tremendous writer, had a great future. And I remember saying, Satan, you cannot have him. And I'm telling you, he was at the brink of death. He looked like death. But we're not moved by what we see but what God said. So we stood in the authority given to us and that authority was to command the enemy to speak life, not death. And that was quite a long battle. It wasn't an overnight success, but I just knew that the enemy could not prevail. You need to declare that over one of your children maybe. Satan, you cannot have my child. You cannot have my husband or my wife. You cannot have my future. You cannot have my health. You've got to resist the enemy. Regardless of what's going on in the rest of the world, you decide now that God is with you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You have a peace that should surpass human understanding. The love of God is ours. 
I have the Word of God, so hang on, world. Here I come, 2024. I want you to bow your head just for a second. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. This authority, this legal right to inherit eternal life based on Christ's finished work at the cross, not on your achievement or your behavior, is a gift of God when you come to him by faith. And if you've never given your heart or life to him, how long are you going to put that off? Eternity is at stake for you. The Bible says don't brag about tomorrow. You don't know what today is going to bring forth. I'd love to pray with you. Or maybe you're just unclear or unsure. I'd like to pray with you. No embarrassment. Nobody's going to come to you or bother you. But if I may pray with you, would you just slip a hand up and take it down? That's it. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you around the auditorium. You're just saying, Jesus, I want to give you my life, my heart, my mind. I want you as my Savior and Lord. Forgive me of my Have mercy on me and save me. You don't have to be real smart to cry out Jesus for mercy and for eternal life. And he will never cast you away. I'm going to lead us in a brief prayer. Everybody in the room, if you're watching online, you can pray with us. Let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess you are the son of God. You died in my place. You took my judgment and you rose from the dead. Come into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive my sin and give me eternal life. Thank you, I have a hope and a future. Thank you, your plans for me are good and not evil. And that your will for me cannot be abolished by any government, by any situation, by any circumstance. What you have decreed about me will be fulfilled. I praise you, Lord, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. Come on, let's give God a little praise. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.